Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Bob Roth, an American transcendental meditation teacher and the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation. He's been practicing TM for nearly 50 years, teaching the likes of Tom Hanks, Oprah Winfrey and Hugh Jackman how to meditate. They're famous, so bear that in mind. If you listen to Under the Skin on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review like this one from Great Big Burrito. It says, you cover a great range of topics and the guests are given room to develop their arguments. I found you through Facebook and then YouTube. Well done for just talking me through your route. Now I've found the podcast to be a great companion while computing. Commuting. Five stars. But do you compute? These reviews help more people find us and we love reading them out, so please keep them coming. In this part, we talk about how to tackle living in a pandemic of toxic stress, doctors prescribing TM over pills, how to access the deepest levels of nature through meditating. Thank you for listening to Under the Skin with Bob Roth. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? Welcome to Russell Brand, Under the Skin. Hey, Bob, thanks for joining me on Under the Skin. How have you been? I've been very good, Russell. It's nice to talk to you. Are you wearing those cans purely as a sort of a visual apparatus at this point? Am I wearing these things? Yeah. Like they, yeah, it's yeah. just for the look. Well, it does make you look very professional, but knowing that there's no sound coming through that makes me suspect you might be <laughs> mentally <laughs> ill. Yeah, but it's very good. I can hear you from my computer, but this looks more professional. What have you got the other end plugged into? Don't answer, Bob. I don't want to even know. Bob, I refer to you pretty frequently, like, you know, when I talk about my meditation teacher, often when I'm doing guided meditations, which I'm, let's face it, not qualified to do, or when I, whenever that's in front of a live audience or on my podcast above the noise, I say, my meditation teacher says, we make no effort. My meditation teacher says, sometimes I give you a name check, Bob, but I don't like to cheapen the meditation by saying the words, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> in two words, you've in two words, you've absolutely dropped in the estimation of your audience. They'll heal that. Oh, that guy. Some of them have search engines, Bob, and they'll they'll put Bob Roth into a search engine. And the simple truth is your face will come up at some point. And, that, and who needs to deal with that? <laughs> Certainly not me. Bob, how is it going in, I suppose when I ask you how it's going, what I mean by that is, how is your work with the David Lynch Foundation going? How is your mission to spread transcendental meditation to as many people as possible going? How is your endeavor to see that as many people can be freely taught TM as possible going? How is your belief and the Maharishi's belief that, uh, that if enough people learn to meditate, the world will change, consciousness will change? How does your work relate to the geopolitical issues of the day, the war in Ukraine, the horrors of the pandemic? Do we need Need to meditate now more than ever have you noticed more people are interested in meditation tell us it all bob and for god's sake plug your headphones in so we're going to start with the first question my favorite color is blue good good let me write that down bob because i don't want to miss any yeah. of this garbage. no um <clears throat> what we're doing what the david lynch foundation is doing right now is in the process of um a stat of conducting or funding uh, large scale, what they call phase three clinical trials on the effects of transcendental meditation on trauma, the effects of transcendental meditation on uh, burnout, depression, anxiety, and resilience, and the effects of TM on heart disease, particularly high blood pressure, with the purpose of having TM uh, covered, adopted and covered by the Medicare and the private insurance companies. So it would be treated as any other medical, uh, health, medical or healthcare intervention, which would then bring the meditation to hundreds of millions of people in the U.S., 
without any concern about you know, having to pay for it or anything. There would be no barrier to a person learning. And that's going really well. We're working with the Veterans Administration on, on, the, uh, on the PTSD study. And I'll just say one thing and then I'll stop. We're living in a pandemic of trauma and toxic stress and the conventional approaches of pop this pill. And I got nothing against legitimate medications for anxiety and depression if people need them or bipolar disorder, those are fine. But um, we need to have, we need to expand our understanding of what a medical intervention would be to include things like transcendental meditation. So I'm, this is, is, I've been teaching for 50 years. I feel like we're right at the precipice of something really big happening at a very good time in the world. That's fascinating you say that because obviously people that ha uh, glean their understanding of reality from rational and material means would probably judge that we're in a place of crisis, in a place of globalized trauma, in a sort of a, as you've explained it to me before, the a Kali, uh, an age of darkness, uh, a ti Kali Yuga, a time Kali, of Kali Yuga, Kali Yuga. Thank Kali you, sir. Yuga. A time of uh, doubt and um, uh, uncertainty, and and obviously this is something we'll talk about in greater depth as we go on, dear Bob. But what I wanted to pick up on there is, you know, because when you talk about sort of uh, the impact of TM on potentially on um, observable cardiovascular conditions or heart conditions, that sort of like is interesting to me. But when you say something a little more potentially abstract, like, um, you know, burnout or in particular trauma, how does that tally with the idea of samskaras and trauma? What kind of translation would you use between modern terms like trauma PTSD and Vedic terms like samskara? What corollary do you see between it's those just terms? Just different vocabulary. It's the same, exact same experience. Exact, there, there is no barrier. There's no wall between mind and body. It's not like, oh, I have a mental, uh, I have a very traumatic experience in my mind. I see something horrible. And then I'm in a room and then I have to open the door to go into my body. It's a continuum. So if you're talking about, you can talk about the neurophysiology of higher states of consciousness. You can talk about the neurophysiology of spirituality. You can look at it from either side. You can look at it from transcendent experiences of ananda, of bliss consciousness. What does that mean, ananda? Ananda, bliss consciousness. Ananda, yeah, ananda is bliss. So, um, so you have, it's called, or brahmi chaitna, any of the words you want to use, or you could use the term restful alertness. It doesn't matter. It's the exact same experience with a different vocabulary. So sanskaras are impressions. Traumatic experiences in the brain and the associated, um, you could say, diseased or, or dysfunctional um, uh, metabolic pat patterns and um, uh, brain, uh, what's the word? Come on, come on, come on. Um, Neural pathways, neural pathways, same thing, same thing. There's no difference, just vocabulary. I'm always fascinated when we find that these um, distinctions are, you know, superficial or at least pertain only to semantics and signifiers. That the that that this is an indication of the depth of wisdom that is contained in that literature, preempting as it does knowledge that doesn't become materially and rationally available for several thousand years does that not give you cause for concern in that the advance of transcendental meditation requires a kind of yielding to the vocabulary and potentially even the ideologies of you know sort of rationalism in this case hmm. in the form of medicine 
But no, actually the opposite, because what it does is it opens a person to the experience and the relevance of these um, eternal phrases, whether it's from the Vedic literature, from Buddhist literatures, from Christian tradition, whatever. So actually it makes more relevant these words and more meaningful these words than, than otherwise. Because otherwise, it's just words. You hear Brahmi Chaitna or you hear, you know, um, Turiyatit, fourth major state, Turiyatit is fourth state of consciousness. What does it mean? And then you hear, oh, in the ancient times they talked about that as Brahman consciousness or, Brahmi, or bliss consciousness, and here are the descriptions of it. Infinite, unbounded, eternal, universal. Suddenly it's much more relevant. Adam I, think the, I think the modern science, <laughs> modern medicine, those terms can open the door to those deeper levels of life. And I should say, no, no less, um, re, no less equally scientific, but also cosmic, spiritual as well. There's not a difference. There's not a difference. It's uh -huh. one continuum of life. I know that the Maharishi was particularly keen that the language of meditation, transcendental meditation in particular, was couched in sort of scientific and, and perhaps especially secular terms, presumably to make it more broadly appealing because of the ultimate goals that I've touched upon already of getting as many people meditating as possible in order to change reality. If you're enjoying this conversation, please join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the Skin. <laughs>